Hey everyone, it's Mikey. Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to draw attention to what's going on in the United States right now. You may have already seen some of the tweets on the Match Club Twitter feed, but in case you haven't, we wanted to say that the protesters and organizations fighting to end anti-Black violence and to defund, disarm, and disband the carceral state under the Black Lives Matter banner deserve our support. And since Charlie and I are both based in Ohio, we just wanted to shout out a couple of Ohio grassroots organizations. First is BQIC, a grassroots community organization working towards the liberation of Black LGBTQ plus folks in central Ohio through direct action, education, and creating spaces for Black queer folks. You can support them by donating at bqic.net slash donate. Second is a campaign to provide PPE to prisoners to protect against COVID, especially in Ohio, New Jersey, and Mississippi. They're only $14,000 of their $20,000 goal, and they could really use the help. You can donate to them at gofundme.com slash f slash ppe dash for dash incarcerated dash individuals. You can also find these links in the podcast description. We know not everyone is able to be in the streets protesting, so we just wanted to talk about a couple causes that could really use the help and that are really important and local to both Charlie and I. Even if you can't donate, please consider signal boosting, talking about the causes, sharing them with friends and family, etc. A lot of really great work is being done by organizations such as these. So thank you. Listeners, this is our main event of the evening. The following contest is a triple threat bonus episode set for one match. In this corner are our challengers, hailing from WMQ Comics and weighing in at a combined total of 9,626 tweets, the dynamic duo of Dan Grote and Matt Laz. Next up is the reigning champion, the Death Rider, the editor-in-chief, the Shatterstarologist, Charlie Davis! This is a bonus episode of Match Club. Um, things are a little turbulent in the world right now. Um, have been for a little bit, but a little bit more so now. So the episode Mikey and I were going to give you last month, it seemed a bad time to kind of do anything for a while (laughs) um but i wanted to do something and put a little something in the feed um so recently AEW had their double or nothing pay-per-view and it brought about some extremely pure wrestling joy um for everybody who watched it so i decided that it might be good to get some friends of mine who aren't wrestling fans to come and talk about this wild thing um, that happened called the Stadium Stampede Match. So I have brought a podcast, podcasters, and a podcast I have guested on several times. So from WMQ Comics, I have Matt and Dan with me. Hey! Hi, everybody! <laughs> so uh, we'll start, let's start with Dan, we'll go with Matt. Please introduce yourself to our, for our wrestling audience. Uh, yeah, hey guys, how's it going? Uh, name's Dan Grote, uh, he, him pronouns. Uh, I, I uh, co-host uh, WMQ&A, uh, the creator interview podcast with my buddy Matt here, and uh, also run uh, WMQComics.com, a uh, comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views site. And 
Yeah, I haven't watched wrestling since 2002, so this was a uh, bananas way to uh, (laughs) dip a toe back into it. (laughs) Uh, Hi, everybody. I'm Matt Laswitz, uh, he, him pronouns. I am the senior contributing writer to WMQ Comics, uh, which is edited by the gentleman you just heard, my very longtime best friend, Dan Grote. I've never been a wrestling person, but both of my brothers are huge wrestling people. And so I had actually seen a little bit of AEW around a pay-per-view back in this previous September uh, at my parents' house because we had had my dad's 70th birthday party and both of them were crashing there. And they're like, dude, you need to watch some of this. And I'm like, okay. And I did. (laughs) And I I didn't get a lot of what was going on, but they were really into it. And uh, on a a really positive note, I'd like to dedicate my segment of this to my brother, Michael, who is one of these big AEW fans, who, as of eight hours ago, is a dad for the first time. So Woo! to my brother, Mike, and his uh, partner, fiance, soon-to-be wife, Whitney, and their new baby, Bernadette. Hi from Uncle Matt! Heck yeah. It's good news. Good news, and we all need some good news. Indeed, uh, just because <laughs> because we've all been languishing since March. Um, but yeah, well, welcome, gentlemen, because I have come on your podcast several times. Welcome to uh, at least one half of my podcast. <laughs> Dan Dan's been on Young Ones before, um, so I mean, it's not it's not crazy. Uh, but this is a little bit of a different flavor um, for both of you because it's not about the X-Men. Um, <laughs> although I did come and talk about Final Fantasy VII. And I did also talk to you about wrestling once upon a time. That's true. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I, I'm still lobbying for eventually a Teen Titans or Young Justice I or, you know, Batman's numerous teen sidekicks. I will come and I will talk the hell out of any of those subjects. We'll get back to it. So having so here, my thing was with Match Club. I figured I could do a podcast about wrestling once a month, and that seemed doable. <laughs> because sometimes I think about doing a weekly podcast or even bi-weekly podcast, and then I start to like decompose because I was like, "That is too much. That's too much." Um, it seems like podcasting is like a is a hobby people have, but if you actually are serious about doing it, you like there's never not a time you're not thinking about like what you need to do next for a podcast. I think you can I think you can relate. <laughs> and, and and a whole website, yes. Yeah, <laughs> a little it's, bit. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. So again, uh thank you for coming on. So what I wanted to do was kind of get an outsider's perspective on what AEW is one doing in general, because it's kind of a new, it's kind of new um, after wrestling hadn't, hadn't been only one wrestling company for like 20 years. There's finally a, a sustainable alternative to the WWE. So that's kind of something to talk about. And two in this world of, wrestling without crowds we have seen the dawn of what they call cinematic matches <laughs> which are not are not just your traditional wrestling match in the ring it is more like a film um and when you film ahead of time 
there are many a thing you can do. And I just, after I watched Double or Nothing a couple weeks ago and I watched this completely bonkers stadium stampede match, I, I like sat and I like, I was filled with joy for like 24 hours after I watched it. And I just wanted to think about like, if someone who'd never seen wrestling before, like, if this was a viable way to like get someone interested. Um, so I will, uh, I will ask how did, how did y'all get along with this one? (laughs) Matt, I'll defer to you. Okay. Um, I will go first on that one and be like, Holy crap. That was bat shit. Um, I'm allowed, I'm allowed to swear. I assume. Oh yes. Okay. Excellent. That was Batshit insane in the best way possible. I, I I was watching it on the couch with my uh, my wife Amber sitting across on the other side of the room in our recliner reading a book. And every now and then she would hear something and be like, "Did they say a horse?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, yes, they did." And I mean, I'm not sure. I don't think I'm going to become a you know diehard wrestling fan from this, but I am definitely like huh, that was absolutely fascinating. And I, I'm the next time I'm, when I go down to visit my brother and my new niece, and if there are events on, I might just sit on the couch with them and watch versus, you know, going and finding a place to read because that was, it was, it was very cool. I mean, there's, I have, I have notes as we discuss the match, but it was just, like nothing I had seen when I would, you know, sit around and they would watch wrestling when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that was that was the big thing. We had no idea what what this was going to be. It was announced um, oh, two weeks before the actual pay per view. Um, and I'll get into some of the logistics of that. But um, so we didn't know what this was. Um, we heard Stadium Stampede, and I'm like. I have no idea what to expect. So we kind of walked into this, like not, not knowing, um, Dan, your, your thoughts. So uh, just to be clear. So they announced that there was going to be a match that was called the stadium stampede. So all you had to go on was this is the match that's going to be involved with no details. Was there Correct. just like a logo and a name? Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, I did, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, and in fact, I like, for some reason I, I started the timestamp at like the way wrong place. And so I enjoyed the, uh, Nyla Rose match and the, uh, Mox, uh, Brody Lee match before. And I'm <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. this is some fun, uh, old school wrestling. I like this. Uh, and then, then we get into the stadium stampede and I, my God, um, it's just, it's the fight scene from Anchorman. Like, it's just, it's, <laughs> over the top there's a man on a horse literally uh you know i I imagine we're going to get into the matt hardy stuff later so i don't want to start belaboring this now but that like when he was fighting uh the the young bucks in the pool that was the part that really kind of drove me off the edge because like for some reason a horse in an empty football stadium sure but but that nonsense where that clearly took multiple takes and they were okay. just acting like it was all like it was a wonder, like it was friggin' Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, and and this is a shout out to another uh, comics podcast that 
we recently had one of their hosts on a guest on our show. Um, is Matt Hardy an Atlantean, and does he have sea-strengthened limbs? Because... <laughs> what? I will tell you... Well, it's a fact he can hold his breath underwater for, what was it, 43 seconds or a minute and 43 Uh, seconds? Yeah, Yeah, quite a long time. Three minutes and 43 seconds. And he can change outfits underwater. I will will explain this because it is far more bonkers than just that. Um, I will will get into it. But uh, yeah, no, Dan, you're you're right. (laughs) It is the Anchorman fight scene. I hadn't thought about it like that previously. <laughs> and and a lot of my reference points for most things are comics. So pardon me for those of you out here who listen to this who aren't comic book people. Because I'm going to be doing a lot of, you know, reference using comics as my, you know, jumping off point for things. But yeah, th- there was, this was, this had that, that vibe of your end of a big storyline X-Men versus the Brotherhood, Justice League versus the Crime Syndicate you know, big event one team bashing the hell out of another team thing. But, okay, so here's my question though Uh, you know, was there a story to go with this? You know, we watched part of a pay-per-view was there sort of a storyline that necessitated there to be a stadium stampede and by the way the fact that it, but just quick aside before that it's that question the fact that it was in jacksonville i i was half expecting i don't know if you watched the good place at all but like jason mendoza just to run onto the field with a molotov and yell bortles <laughs> so there was a bit of a package before the match um it had uh like a video package for the elite versus the inner circle Okay. Um, so I, I don't know if you caught that like when you were watching. I, I think I understood that those were the two sort of big f- factions within yes. AEW. So basically, so basically the story has been brewing since Dynamite started last October. Um, the Elite, they all left. So the young, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Hangman Adam Page, um, and at the time, Cody Rhodes... Um, he was not in this match. I will get into that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they all left New Japan Pro Wrestling and came and fa- they are the founders of AEW. Like Cody is like like executive vice president. The Young Bucks are also that. And then Tony Khan, the man who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, is funding all this. <laughs> like he is the money and the the like he he is he is the Vince McMahon to AEW except for he is not a despot <laughs> as much as a, as much as that billionaire you know as much as a billionaire isn't you know what I mean yeah. such as a, there is a good benevolent billionaire which not very many in a, or at all um Tony Khan is is that little sliver um so he's so their their whole thing is and Kenny and Kenny Omega especially is he had um he they kind of wanted to make wrestling different. They have this idea about how wrestling should be more accessible to people, how you should tell long form stories in wrestling um, and make it like more of a experience that people can, can get into. Um, So there was a, in, in new Japan, there was this huge story like Kenny and, and the, but young bucks and Cody, they used to run in a group, called the bullet club 
Okay. And they, the Bullet Club is a heel faction in, in New Japan because they're all the, the gaijins. They're all the foreign wrestlers. So they're like the bad guys. And like Kenny did this like multi-year story with like his old tag team partner, Kota Ibushi, where like they broke up because and then Kenny became the leader of the Bullet Club, who was absolutely like this terrible, terrible person. And then they like kind of got back together. And there was this whole thing about like, is is our 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 Kenny and Kota like something more than friends? So there was this like whole thing with them over there. Um, and like Kenny's bisexual. So Kenny Omega and the elite were really what brought a lot of like queer people into watching wrestling hmm. because of the types of stories that they would tell. Um, so that's a, that is like kind of like they left to come to do this new thing called AEW and the inner circle led by Chris Jericho, who is a, he's a wrestler wrestling name. You might know. Yes. Um, yes. He, he is, he basically came and said, no, this is my wrestling company. Like I'm the most important person here, like in Chris Jericho fashion. Um, and he, he created this group called the inner circle with a bunch of other wrestlers and are basically, it's been a fight since October of last year for the heart of AEW. Like, what does it mean? Like, the elite as the good guys and not always just good guys because they've had their problems and versus the inner circle who are these are the are the bad guys but they're also like like they stand for something bad but like they're extremely all very charismatic so it's like hard to be like 100 percent of the time like oh they're like really awful um and within that time the elite has been like breaking down essentially like kenny omega and hangman adam page the cowboy um are the tag team champs but it happened by circumstance mm. and hangman tried to leave the elite like a couple months into the aw like dynamite existing and the young bucks are like no you can't leave like that you can't leave like but he's like no i i really need to like i keep losing like i'm the least successful member of the elite like i need to just like distance myself and he kind of gained this new persona where he would like be late to everything and like really have this like tension with the young bucks and he started drinking a lot <laughs> and like he'd take like beers from the audience when there were crowds like he kind of reinvigorated his character by like getting away from the elite but because of that like there was a crack in the elite so they were losing all the time because they weren't a cohesive unit and Chris Jericho's like we're not we're not breaking apart like this is, this is it like we're here we win like we're friends um and like a couple months ago there was supposed to be this big blowout between the elite and the inner circle it was called blood and guts it was supposed to happen in newark like the um prudential center okay. i think that yeah absolutely it was, it was all sold out and they were going to blow off this elite versus the inner circle thing inside a in in a war games match which basically means there's two rings pushed together surrounded by one steel cage and the only way to win is to um either submit your opponent or or like or if you can't fight anymore so there's no pinfalls there's nothing so it's supposed to be this huge grudge match in between like a like the both inside the steel cage 
but they couldn't do that because coronavirus. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so since this has all been happening, you know, they, they build up and build up the story and it was like a week. It was a week away from happening, like a week away from blood and guts. And they had to like, nope, we can't do this. So they had set up like Nick Jackson, like one of the young bucks, like they, the inner circle had like, they pulled a car door down on it, like a garage door down on him backstage. And that was essentially to take him out of the match. So Matt Hardy could come in. So they had all this huge thing set up and then they couldn't do it. So instead they decided to do this stadium stampede match instead, which like I told you before, we had no idea what that was. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up being this crazy thing that um, when it immediately immediately when it starts and the inner circle come out in football jerseys like it's a football game yeah i was immediately hooked because i was like one i was like i'm like i don't even watch football or like football but i seeing football after like seeing no sports for like an indeterminate amount of time even it's not football season right but like seeing something no as normal as like a football field and people on it i was like i'm in <laughs> and it just like was also really good because like the inner circle had their own stupid jersey <laughs> you know since i didn't necessarily have the the knowledge of who were the faces and who were the heels going into this other than remembering from you know younger days that chris jericho tends to be a jerk as his character yeah. i don't know how he is personally so i, I mean he's, kind, got, he's gone back and forth i mean I, i'm going back to when i was watching from 1999 to 2002 but he went back and forth between heel and face as i recall oh yeah i guess when i when my brothers were watching and i would be you know there attempting to read a pile of comics um they <laughs> he was in one of his heel you know stances so i had assumed that he was the heel i actually was texted my other brother roy like hey roy Chris Jericho, he's a heel now, right? He's like, oh yeah. I'm like, okay, good. Just, just wanted to make sure. But still, when I saw them come out in the jerseys, I was like, maybe these are the good guys. They're putting on the unified front. I mean, they all have the jerseys. They're, you know, really looking They're like team. a team. Mm -hmm. it, it's, uh, and the jerseys are a nice touch. It was. It was. Because, like, we only heard that you could fight anywhere in the stadium. That was, like, kind of like it. So I assumed it was going to be, like, a street fight, which is... You know, you can pinfall anywhere. It 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 it's kind of like no holds barred. Obviously, you can't get disqualified for doing things. Um, but no, that you know, looking at it from like that's kind of why I wanted to like look at it from an outsider's perspective with you guys because they did a really good job of telegraphing the fact that the inner circle were a team and the elite were just like dudes. <laughs> yes, I could definitely see that. I mean, there there wasn't a cohesive look to the elite. Uh, I mean, all in different colors. Uh, it, it was, while well, the, the inner circle looked like a, a unit mm -hmm. and, and, and Matt Hardy in his new <laughs> X-Men era Magneto costume. Uh, <laughs> seriously, go and look at the cover of new X-Men 147 and then look at that costume, and there the, the colors are similar. The flowing robes are similar. I was like, I, I, at first I was like, oh, 
it's rocking a magneto cool <laughs> i wasn't sure how to describe his outfit i i just like i kept looking at it and i'm like what is he appropriating because it's something <laughs> or maybe it's just like curtains you would see at your grandmother's house <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> I mean, the notion. You're, yeah, you're you're not wrong, and like, and the elite come out, and like, I, I love the elite. They're dead. All they're all disaster bisexuals, but <laughs> they are. They're they need a new theme song desperately. <laughs> <laughs> desperately so i'm like guys you couldn't have picked like one of y'all's themes that were like good to come out <laughs> to come well, out here know, with i i don't re- i don't remember that I, I i might have skipped a little bit too far ahead and didn't, didn't hear the themes for them but i remember when, when mox and Brody lee came out and i'm like is is it still 2000 like are these just old <laughs> slipknot songs well, Mox is. I'm glad. Uh, uh, don't get me on a tangent, but I'm glad you saw that match because one, it was good, and two, uh, Mox came out in a jacket that was like a little bit too big for him, and it was like very funny, but also he was like, it was his homage to Bret Hart. It was like because it's like a Bret Hart style jacket, and I recognize that right away. But everyone else is like pulling. They're like riling me up they're like the jacket's way too big for him i'm like no he's doing a bret hart let him do it it's fine (laughs) Um, i I did write this note speaking of Brody lee being too big i i I wrote that Brody lee looks like a big guy who should be tiny (laughs) (laughs) i don't necessarily know what that means but like when i saw him measured up against mox i was like oh he's big like he's like big show big but he doesn't look like he should be (laughs) <laughs> i did you did you uh, to to briefly detour into that did you uh did you pop for the uh going through the ramp because that was unexpected for me uh yeah <laughs> no that that was something and also the amount of time that they spent uh like the ringside officials talking into the hole like that was <laughs> like they kept on like that that sort of y-axis camera angle like it's a wes anderson movie so you don't actually go into the hole and see what's going on there it just it looked like 1989 footage of of people trying to pull baby jessica out of the well <laughs> everyone was like why was like why did that happen like because there were some people i was watching with that had like this is their first time watching wrestling and they're like like they're like was that was, was that supposed to happen and i was like yeah it was it was supposed to happen and they're like but why and i'm like when i as soon as i saw like the shot where mox like crawled out of the hole like pulling himself up i'm like that's why because they wanted to give john a terminator moment where he crawls out of the hole and is fine um but okay, to go back, <laughs> I just on on that that note and on what all we saw in the stadium stampede, I have to say I'm coming at this from a slightly different angle than I think a lot of people would be because aside from you know comics being the you know I I, I bleed in four colors. Um, I am professionally tied to theater and my wife works for a ballet company. So I'm used to viewing things through the lenses of staging and things like that. And this is tremendously staged, right? The, the, the both 
I saw the end of the Mox uh, match as well, and then into the entire stadium stampede. The whole thing was some of the best staging I've seen in my limited exposure to wrestling. It's really mm-hmm. very cool. They they did a bang up job, and they filmed the stadium stampede match. They started at midnight the previous Friday. They filmed it. Um, and I guess they went all the way to like 4 a.m. to like to shoot this. And then obviously all, all the editing. Um, but for a while, I was like, I oh, mean, are they doing this right now? Um, the only clue I got that it was pre-taped, even though I'd figured it was. But the only real clue I got was was the Matt Hardy pool segment. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> they did. They did this one a couple of times. <laughs> I'd also have to imagine getting the horse to behave, even with horse yeah. actors. You, you got to have a few takes of the horse. Yeah. <laughs> and like the funny part about it was like uh, Adam Page. So Hangman Adam Page, his gimmick is that he's a cowboy. He's his he's actually like anxious millennial cowboy. Like that is his gimmick. <laughs> basically okay. um and he had been like like i said he'd been like kind of on the outs with the elite and his tag team partner and he had been missing from tv for two months because of the quarantine he went he's he didn't come to tapings which obviously that's his prerogative um so we had all been missing him very much and we weren't sure if he was going to show up and they kind of played that up with the whole elite tension and stuff like that. Um, so the, the show before double or nothing, he, there was a brawl out in the, the stadium and the young bucks showed up. They hadn't been on TV either for two months. And then in the back of the football field, you see a guy like just come in. Like you, I, it was like something I didn't recognize right away. And it's getting to the end of the show and then you just see someone sprinting all the way down the football field and it's hangman Adam page. And he clotheslines somebody from like a, basically a 50 yard dash. And I'm like, this is it. <laughs> this is wrestling right here. This is, this is what I need. So we didn't know if he was going to show up, but then he like showed up on that show and obviously he didn't come out with his team members, but then he showed up on, I popped so hard when I saw the horse. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> And one of my favorite parts was everybody's excited about the horse. And then the commentators could not stop talking about how beautiful the horse was. <laughs> I loved that there, at one point there was chanting horse, 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 horse. 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 <laughs> no, Which, that, by the way, who's doing that chanting? Cause there's no audience. Are they just getting I, the staffers to do to like act like the audience? I think, I think they had whoever was on deck. Like, like I think they recorded a track I, I think that's what they did because it provided a lot to the match in my opinion because they were like doing the chance that would normally happen they were being irreverent about it obviously the horse the horse chant and everything um and you know just when i saw hangman like ride into the stadium and i like and he like chased sammy on the horse and like this is about to be something real special um <laughs> Because you don't, obviously, you don't tell people, yeah, watch this wrestling match where, like, a cowboy rode in on a horse and chased somebody else. Um, <laughs> you know, and they gave us a lot of, a lot of everything. They gave us, in the very beginning, obviously, you get the, you, everybody runs at each other. But then you, they gave us a little bit of ring wrestling, like, for probably, like, ten minutes. Like, people were doing moves inside or near the ring. And they were doing, like, some traditional, quote-unquote, wrestling things. Um 
were you guys were you guys surprised or blown away by the athleticism of of most of these people? <laughs> I, you know, it's it's funny watching the young bucks in the same and like especially going after Matt Hardy, but in the same space as him. Like I remember the Hardy. Um, were they called the Hardy Boys? They were called Matt and Jeff Hardy. Yep. Yeah, like I remember them doing the same things that the young bucks did. Now. Yeah. And that's yeah. when I remember, oh my God, it's been like 20 years since uh, <laughs> I was watching wrestling and, and, and also what, I mean, besides obviously time, like what the hell happened to Matt Hardy? Like, I don't remember him having like, he never had lines when I was watching him. Like he wasn't cutting promos. <laughs> he also yeah. wasn't the favorite Hardy uh, brother uh, at exactly. the time. So to see sort of the evolution of his character is, is like. That it that was something. <laughs> yeah, the 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 young bucks grew up, kind of idolize, idolizing the Hardy Boys, like their high flying style. Like they took it, like like Matt and Jeff were kind of like some of their like earliest like like mentors for that. Like obviously they didn't work together, but um, you know this is who we look up to. This is like what we want to do, who we want to be. So like to getting to work with him, like I think is like probably a treat. Um, and, and just, I'm so happy for Matt because he actually left w his contract for WWE where he was being extremely underutilized, ran out, um, just before all this. So, and he came directly to AEW <laughs> where they would let him do the things he wanted to do. Um, which, you know, you talk about the pool spot and this a lot, this will allow me to talk about Matt Hardy a little bit. So Matt Hardy's gimmick at the moment is that he is he's broken Matt Hardy. What that means is that he is I don't know what this when he's in his outfit, like his as you say Magneto outfit, <laughs> um he is a entity by the name of Damascus. So he is his vessel is Matt Hardy, but he is a like a three thousand year old entity named Damascus. Not making this up. Um, but, I think I've played that D and D character at one point or right? another. Uh. Right. I mean, that probably goes a long way to explain the outfit in all reality. Mm. Um, so he his his mind is a little broken, and uh, that allows him in his broken universe that he created when he was actually in TNA, like another wrestling company. Like this broken Matt Hardy character, like came from another wrestling company. Um, but he owned it, so he could he can bring it like wherever. In that, like his Hardy compound in North Carolina, like there's a whole like broken universe. So in that universe, he's got a lake on his property, and it's called the Lake of Reincarnation. And if you take a dip in it, it allows you to change, change. It allows you to change. And for Matt, what he said he did after the whole match is over is he said he put a little bit of water from the lake of reincarnation into the pool um, <laughs> beforehand. So that is why when he goes under, when Santana and Ortiz are, are putting him under the water, he's changing his gimmick. So it is broken Matt Hardy to start. When he goes down the first time, he comes up as team extreme Hardy boys, Matt Hardy. When they put him back down again, he comes back as his second wwe like gimmick which is version one matt hardy with the matt facts and everything and then 
when they put him down the third time, he just comes back as broken Matt. So he was changing his gimmick when he <laughs> when they were putting him in the water. So that and wasn't just it. winking bad camera work. That was <laughs> wow. That was him in his personal Lazarus pit. Okay. Correct. Correct. Wow. <laughs> it's like a little bit Hulk, a little bit Moon Knight, and all bonkers. Rachel Ghoul, don't forget. There's definite yes, a yes, definite Rachel Ghoul. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, do football stadiums have pools? <laughs> like I don't the, know the, why the... that was a thing I didn't think of last night when I was watching it, and I'm just thinking of it now as we're recording it, like that that's a thing? Like there was an infinity pool in a football stadium. I think it's a, I think it's a probably a Florida stadium yeah. situation. <laughs> Jason <right>. Mendoza, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pillboy. Yeah, I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised when I saw it too, and I was like, "Wait, why is this here?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's like probably like the VIP section of the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium." Of course, it, it's, it's how Tony Khan watches the games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so that, I mean, that happened and I was like, all right, here, I'm like, here we go. And then I'm pretty sure my favorite part, because it like paid off this like story that had been going on and and it was complete fan service was the part with, uh, hangman in the bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I had to imagine there was something there and now that you've explained it, it makes sense, but that was a neat touch in that that moment when him and the the freaking juggernaut Hager were, yeah, were just yeah Jake Hager yep. yeah were just sitting there and they each had a drink for they started beating the hell out of each other. I was like, huh? There are they gonna actually just sit here and you know have a drink together like you know Casablanca? No, no, there there it goes. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. But for a moment, uh, everything slows down and it's this just beautiful noir scene that plays <laughs> out between two. Yeah. Mostly shirtless men. <laughs> yes. Uh, Hangman was in chaps, but he had his jeans on. When you see him in his chaps normally um, for like a pay-per-view, he's got his little trunks on. So it's they're more like assless chaps. Basically. I think all chaps are assless. Yeah, yes, they are. That, that yeah. Assless chaps is one of those redundant phrases. That, yeah, I had a feeling. That, but it's it's fun to say, so people just kind of roll with it. Yeah, and also it makes me think of the Van Halen video for Panama, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, Hangman's at the bar. Jake comes up. You know, they they have that drink. He's like, you here for a drink or you here for a fight? And then Adam's like, what's the difference? (laughs) (laughs) And they proceed to do some, I can't imagine the powerbomb on the the pool table felt very good. (laughs) No. Um, yeah, it's not a gimmicked pool table. <laughs> it's a real one. But the, uh, the other one where the guy went through, got uh, power bombed through the um, security railing that was set up and yeah. then like onto yeah. the concrete. Like, yeah, there's no padding there. Yeah, I mean, Kenny, yeah, Kenny suffered that fate, yes. The, the, uh, uh, Jim Ross, like, the, the, the concrete broke his fall. I'm like, yes, it did. Okay, so that was that was another thing. I didn't realize, you know, it took me a few minutes uh, in the prior matches to realize that that was Jim Ross in the booth. I'm like, that Southern voice is so comforting. It sounds like Jim Ross. 
And then I realized, obviously, they, you know, they panned to the, the announce table. I'm like, oh, my God. My God, it's Jim Ross. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know who that is. Yeah. I get um, that one. <laughs> yeah, JR is here. Yeah, JR is here with Tony Schiavone, who used to be the commentator, one of the commentators for WCW, like, when they were still around. Oh, wow. So it's like in, in very much of, a meeting of the of the Monday Night Wars. So one, of his, the, one of them was a luchador? Was that? Yes, Excalibur. Excalibur. Yep. Okay. He used, to be, he used to be a lucha wrestler, but now he does come. I love Excalibur because one, because he's a great commentator, and two, because when Hangman and Hager were having their bar fight, he quoted the Big Lebowski. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, one point the, the, the pool cue comes out. I'm like, yeah, I am a teetotaler, so. I don't go into bars that often. The one time I witnessed an actual honest-to-God bar fight, I did see the pool cue get broken and somebody lunge at someone with a broken pool cue. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I guess the guy said the wrong thing to this lady because she just took that pool cue, broke it, and lunged at him. He was much bigger than her. Well, I mean, you're gonna take a weapon into battle if you're going. Damn so, right, it's true. Yeah, so like this whole sequence, because I was like, I was thinking Roadhouse. That was the first thing I was thinking <laughs> when this entire thing got underway. And you know, it's got the pool table. It's got the the pool cue hitting the pool cue. It's got bottles. It's got Jake putting adam on the bar and running him through it <laughs> and they keep talking about uh john wayne westerns uh, and yes. I, I i just gotta point out they kept referencing the quiet man the, the quiet man isn't a western it's set in ireland <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like john wayne in ireland it is the one john wayne movie that my father will watch because he's not doesn't he's a not a big fan of John Wayne, but he's a <laughs> Irish American guy who goes back to Ireland. It's like, guys, that's that's not a western. <laughs> I mean, they, they might do the, the bar thing. I don't remember, but it's not a western. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, if you're in Asia, Ireland is part of the, the capital W West. <laughs> that is true. I will give you that, sir. Oh my God, that's that makes that even better. Thank thank you for letting me know that. Oh wow, um, you know I saw Hangman almost slip on on some of the uh, the uh, pool the the billiard balls, and I was like, mm, you gotta watch yourself. I also saw him flip off the bar, which was absolutely amazing. And there was and then just when like so Kenny Omega the the man with the green on his tights, um, he is Hangman's tag team partner so when he comes to the rescue like there's been like months and months of tension between the both of them like can one trust the other are they really even a team um so when he came to like help hangman it was like a really good moment and like they stop and kenny is an anime character like he is very much like he loves he loves street fighter he's a big nerd like his finishing move which you see at the end of the match is called the one-winged angel um oh. for, the for the reasons you think um and uh, when he comes to the bar and they just sit they have their little moment where like ken he doesn't drink kenny doesn't drink so when kenny pours hangman the whiskey and hangman gets the jug of milk out and pours kenny a glass of milk and they cheers it's like this it's like very silly but it's like this also very like wholesome moment of like these two friends like finally like 
getting back on the same page after months of not being that way. And I was like, yeah, this, this is pure fan service, but I love it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, I think that's probably my favorite. It's probably my favorite part of the match, but I just really like that. Everything was very well paced and it was essentially, even though they didn't say it, it was essentially like an elimination match because all the members of the inner circle just got taken out like one by one. <laughs> um, and because we transition after that into like the end, kind of the ending part, which also has some amazing Chris Jericho stuff, like uh, calling calling a flag on a, <laughs> another place. I gotta say, I, I mean, and again, my wrestling knowledge is minimal to none, but. I don't remember female refs and the fact that she got right up in Jericho's face was like, I, I kind of want a web series about her life. I would watch that show. <laughs> Aubrey's great. And her and, and Jericho have been at it since dynamite started. Um, like she's always like the big match referee. Like she always like refs the main events. Cause she's amazing. Like she's really great. And like, he tries he gets cheap heel heat by like pushing her and like doing stuff like that so there's been like a whole thing between them but when i saw him pull out that flag and say he's calling a flag on like a play i was like oh my god and they went into the tent and they just start arguing with the tent closed for like three minutes (laughs) he brought that bat in there and i'm like I, I I know I remember back in the day you, you'd see a wrestler you know sort of blindside a, a ref with a chair. Is he going in there where nobody can see him? And is he gonna bop her on the head with that bat? Not uh, she's. I think what happened was even better because he comes out and it's like you're a shitty referee, yes. and he's like he has this Jericho has this way of like of speaking that just makes everything he says very funny. And I don't know what it is, or but he's like one of the best wrestlers of all time at this point, because um, he's reinvented himself so many times. But like, is able to kind of stick with that. Like, he's still Chris Jericho, like the Chris Jericho you know. But he's like this different thing now, and it's like kind of amazing. And like while that's happening, you see like Matt Jackson doing a thousand, a hundred yards worth of Northern Light suplexes. <laughs> And getting into the end zone that, and doing it. A- oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, Jericho's voice, he got one of the things he was saying is he was at one point like beating the hell out of Nick Jackson. He's like, Nick Jackson, you should have stayed home. And I, I kind of kept thinking of Happy Gilmore. Are you too good for your home? <laughs> it's, uh, it's like, uh, it's just like this, con- this like, coming together of like all these really creative like wrestling minds to like see what like creative thing you can come up with um and and don't get me wrong ww's been doing some cinematic matches too but it just wasn't they've just not been as good as this and i'm just like okay i don't know how this i don't know how we can get out of this because the end's gotta be like spectacular and sammy poor sammy guevara who has been he was ran. He was almost run down by a golf cart um, a couple weeks previous oh. to this, and him waking up on the sprinklers, and then is, man, is, is he usually the comic relief? Because he was very funny. <laughs> he isn't. He's kind of come into this role since the quarantine, like wrestling started. Like 
like just showing the different facets of his like character but he is very good i i hope i had hoped you guys would would like the golf cart situation the, the, the golf cart the horse that i kind of the fact that I wanted the Benny Hill music to play as he's like constantly running away from these things that are chasing him. Yeah, and he's the last surviving member of the inner circle and he's like running up the stands and he's like yelling at them. He's like, stay away from me. And he's like throwing chairs at Hangman and Hangman's like, go on, get. Like it's, oh, and then the, the one winged angel, man. How do you guys feel about that? Just as a stunt, just as a, a a thing that happened. I mean, it's probably my favorite name for any wrestling move ever. Yes. It's very dangerous. It's not okay. It's not dangerous. It's actually very. It's like a very like Kenny. Kenny's got you. He's a good pair of hands. I would not have trusted anybody other than Kenny Omega to pull off that end of that match. Um, but it looks very scary because when he gets you up on on his shoulders, it's basically he like pulls you down and those moves are meant to simulate like dropping you on your neck mm. even though they don't do that but it looks it, it is it just looks very scary um happening on like a, a mat and sometimes it's like the tease of it happening like from the top rope is super scary too i don't know if kenny's ever actually done it from the top rope it seems like that might be you know a little dangerous, um, but I was not expecting the one-winged angel from that high up into into obviously a cushiony platform. Um, but it crumbled spectacularly, and I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> that and the um, is it Matt Jackson's flip off the goalpost. Yeah, they mm-hmm. were both. Those were two both moments where I was like, "The athletic to be able to pull that off safely mm-hmm. is truly impressive." Yeah, that, that's def- yeah. That, that definitely looked dicey uh, when he was climbing that thing. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't know how much room there is to stand on the goalpost. Like, I was like, isn't that, like, bobbly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know much about football, so I don't know about, about any of this. But They don't climb the goalpost said- in football. <laughs> I don't think so. I didn't think so. Thank you for... Thank, thank you for However, the... the, the uh, at, um... Super Bowl Sunday, that the counter programming on uh, Animal Planet and such, when they have the the kitten bowl and the puppy bowl, there uh-huh. they do get extra points if the cute animals climb on the little fake goalposts. Okay, well, <laughs> now I know that. Bess really loves the, the the kittens. Our cat, for those of you who aren't our regular listeners, um, my cat, who is our occasional third co-host, as she likes to come and nuzzle my computer when I'm recording uh, and, and she is absolutely fascinated when there are those kittens on the screen frolicking she tries to pet them through the television and it breaks your heart a little Aww. Uh, especially odd because when you put a real kitten by her she freaks out, loses her little kitten mind, not that she's a kitten but kittens on television she's like hello, I wish to pet you Oh, cannot. So sad. That's so sad. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but w- the wobbly go- the the goalpost was a little wobbly, and Matt had his uh his ribs taped up because he supposedly had hurt his ribs, and I was like, Matt, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> but the young bucks are known for their like like high flying, like they can do those like flips, and like that's what makes. That's for a lot of people. That's what makes 
wrestling entertaining or like the wrestling people want to watch because a lot of the slow ground based like brawling people really aren't into um although some people are some wrestling purists you know do enjoy that um so the young bucks like if you looked at their um their their gear it said killing the business on it because there have been like people acute like accusing them of killing the business by like doing all the high flying moves and things like that um like because making it just like quote unquote into stunts but i don't know the young bucks are super entertaining to watch that that feels a little bit like short-sighted as if like they're they're the only acrobatic wrestlers that there have ever been correct right i mean it's i guarantee you it's something similar to what was said when you first got your uh basketball players who would dunk when dunking became a thing it's it's mostly like obviously you know the hardy boys and edge and christian and like all the people that Mm -hmm. like did all the like super innovative stuff with ladders and tables and stuff back in the late 90s early 2000s that was something at that time people also were like you know how far is this going to go because at some point you're putting your body at risk by doing these things and you know where do you go from that point like once you reach the pinnacle of that what happens um a lot of people say the young bucks are quote unquote as i said killing the business mostly because it's like one they have kind of like a lot of their moves and you you haven't seen like a regular match with them but they're very choreographed like they're very smooth in what they do like and some people are like well that takes the realism out of it and and things like that and i don't ever think that i just think it's really cool to see them both do a super kick at the same time <laughs> like it's 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 crazy and i think it's also because like a lot of people don't like the young bucks because they've taken that thing people say about them and they've made it into merchandise and they've like kind of like taken it and like twisted it back it's the best revenge and so it's like yeah yeah exactly exactly so like they've got gear that says killing the business they're like book that's coming out this year is called killing the business it's you know it's taking that like meta nature of rest like like this like nature of wrestling and how people think about it and the kind of like turning it on its head which is kind of what the elite are just they did do that so people people are like well i don't i don't like this because it's different it's mostly i don't like this because it's different Mm -hmm. because wrestling's got to be this one way and only this one way but like doing it that way i don't know like if that you guys saw this for the first time i would say it's highly entertaining Maybe even to somebody who's never seen wrestling. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, and maybe you won't stick around and, and watch more, but it would maybe if you had even an inclining of wanting to do that, I think this would be a very good avenue to be like, hey, this is something that like I've never seen before. Like, I didn't know wrestling was this, it, it, you know. There's an opportunity right now where, you know, wrestling was allowed to keep going where a lot of other sports weren't, which is weird. We don't have to get into that. But, like, <laughs> you know, take that shit on the road. Go to other, I don't know, go to an empty baseball park and, and just give them bats and balls to beat each other up with. Go to a, <laughs> a tennis court and it's like the doubles match from hell. 
Um, somebody, coming up with gimmicks left and right. Somebody yeah. gets one of those the automatic ball flingers and just points it at his opponent and starts shooting tennis balls at him. I'd watch that. This 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 one, you want to talk about safety, go to a hockey rink. Put him on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I need if I need uh, wrestling match gimmicks, I know I'm going to. <laughs> Dan, who who's apparently a wrestling match gimmick factory, and also can um, decipher how much uh, weird wrestling memorabilia might need might be listed on it at eBay. It, yeah. Okay. So, ah, uh, uh, boy. All right. So, for context, because Matt hasn't heard this story, uh, our our mutual friend Chris Edelman uh, had a birthday recently, and, and and for his birthday, his his lovely wife Christy. Uh, put together a series of of game shows, and and one of them, which Charlie was the MC for, was guess how much this wrestling merchandise is, and Price is Right rules, right? For some reason, I got like five in a row, closest <laughs> without going over, and and these were like I don't know a bar of soap with the Undertaker's face on it. Um, <laughs> There was some dirt that was allegedly used in a wrestling match and it was framed like a piece of 9-11 steel. Um, I, I'm forgetting examples right now, but it was yeah, it, it was, was some uh, weird ass shit. Yeah, a vintage a vintage uh, NWO t- uh, sweater that had Dennis Rodman's face on it. Um, and uh, that the, that bar of soap that was that was up there. Um it was just like these ludicrous items I picked off of eBay and I was like, no one's ever going to guess these. And lo and behold, it was Dan every, every time it was like, no, this, this is how much this costs. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So, you know, now I know the, the two things that you're good at that you didn't know you were good at, Dan. I'm going to count that as a win. <laughs> really will. Uh, this is all um, going on my resume. Yeah, I, I think you should. I think you should put it on there. I mean, why not? I'm glad you did. You know, Dan, I am glad you caught that like women's match actually because it was really good. Uh, I like, <laughs> like that Nyla Rose man. That's good stuff. Very good. It's very good. Um, she is the first uh, trans wrestler um, to win a championship. No shit! So, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So AEW had a trans woman champion, women's champion. For six months, so That's very cool. you don't see people, you don't see people fucking talking about that. Why would you? You know what I mean? Like, there's things to sell. There are so many things to celebrate about AEW, like, and not just the fact that it's like not owned by Vince McMahon. Mm. It's insane. Know, I was, I was curious, and you might have talked about this on a previous episode of the show, as I've not listened to them all. But, um, what is the the intersection of queer fandom and wrestling because i'm just it's not a fandom of which i am particularly familiar wrestling fandom in general it is surprisingly high and i think it's i really think it's high because i think the elite really um because kenny omega is an openly bisexual man um his long-running like story in New Japan was all re- like it was basically a like a like a gay romance like as much as it was about you know wrestling 
Um, I think he really brought a lot of like queer people into wrestling, and then from that point, from that point, you get there, and then you find other things. So, I don't know a lot of. Obviously, wrestling was was pretty. It was the it was the nineties. Is all I can really say. Like, the Attitude Era for everything that it is, and the most popular wrestling ever was, and everything like that. It, it was still, you know, insensitive in so many ways. Like oh, you sure. look yeah. at that, it's like so problematic. It's you know, weirdly enough, like. Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is, I don't want to say my favorite wrestler of all time, but he's up there. Um, he, like, weirdly enough, he, like, his whole persona, like, this, like, like, Texas guy, like, loves beer, like, loves kicking the shit out of his boss. Like, he was never really, like, he never took part in anything that was, like, questionable regarding race or, like, anything like that. Um, weirdly enough, it was like everything else. <laughs> Did you see uh, in taking this down a place that, you know, people who are using this to escape the crappy world around us for a moment might not be in love with, but did you see today? I saw various places in social media, uh, stone cold Steve Austin coming down on someone who was talking about the Confederate flag as, you know, a symbol of Southern pride and him being like, yeah, your symbol of your quote unquote, you know, pride in your past to every African-American is a sign of their oppression. It's like, go stone cold Steve Austin. He also is a proponent of gay marriage rights and uh, a like punked out dude who came at him for wearing a mask outside. Um, yeah, no. Stone Cold, Stone Cold's a, like, a, like a strangely progressive man. <laughs> like, and I'm not saying that he, he didn't have, like, like problems. Like, he had some rough times in his life, um, like, like, right as he was leaving wrestling. Um, but, you know, all you can ever ask of somebody is to learn and get better, right? So... I'd say he's going in the right, right direction. Uh, I'll give that uh, a hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm right. Hell yeah. Exactly. Um, so I don't think people, people, queer people aren't going to like zero in on the attitude era to uh, enjoy the wrestling, I think, because it, the attitude era really wasn't about great wrestling. Like there was some great wrestling that happened, but it was all kind of about the shock and chaos of what would happen. Every week, it was like Stone Cold Steve Austin driving the beer truck into the arena and hosing down Vince McMahon. It was about, you know, I mean, Steve did all of these things. <laughs> like driving the Zamboni in, um, like showing up at the hospital to beat the shit out of Vince McMahon. And you know what? I look, I go back and watch those things now. I'm like, yeah, Stone Cold, you beat the shit out of Vince McMahon because he's a piece of shit. Um, they're very, it's very cathartic. Um, but like, I would love to show people like a lot of that stuff, but I'm just like, you know, just clips, you know, you don't need to immerse yourself into that. But, you know, queer fandom really, I think just comes a lot from like the new Japan stuff with Kenny Omega. And like, then you float over into other things. Like I found the shield. Um, I think there's a lot to say for like three very attractive men who are in a brotherhood and share everything. 
<laughs> you know, there's a lot to kind of like glom onto. But there are, I know a lot of people um, that are queer people that really, really like wrestling. And, you know, it's, it, it's weirdly accessible. And I will say this. I think it's, you know, you've, you kind of like, you wade into the fire when you become an X-Men fan. True. Yep. As far as like fandom is concerned, because we're all opinionated, some worse than others. I, the three of us, not, not so much. Like we have our opinions, but we know how to speak about them respectfully. Other people do not. And it's known as like this place for creators that you don't want to be because the fans are so raucous. So I found like like going into wrestling that like there's so many people that are just like level headed in a way <laughs> in a way that comics fans don't seem to be. And that was very strange to me. Like because I was like, okay. Like you have a company that like openly, openly like takes feedback from the fans and does the exact opposite just to get a rise out of their fan base. And still, the wrestling fans are like, yeah, this sucks. Like, I don't like this, but it's cool if you do. They've got something that's, they've got, like, a program. Like, whether you watch WWE or whether you watch AEW, and I think AEW is way better at this. They've got something for everybody. Like, you can love, like, the classic old-timey southern wrestling. There, It's there for you. You can love things like the Stadium Stampede, the, com- the comedy stuff. It's there. You can love just like a an hour-long classic between two really athletic guys. It's there. But it's like serving this like little slice of something like everybody can enjoy. And everybody's just like, yeah, maybe I don't like this, but it's cool if you do. It's just got this thing that like comics people don't seem to understand because they're like, oh yeah, I love this comic book. Well, you shouldn't because it's bad. <laughs> Uh, and and I gotta say, you wander out of the, your the X Men corner, it gets worse. worse. I yeah. have found X Men fans are infinitely more pleasant to deal with than, let's say, the Batman fans. I don't go near Batman fandom Twitter because it's scary. I can imagine. God forbid you mention Cassandra Kane in any way other than the most glowing possible mention and use any of her identities other than Batgirl, you will be burned at the stake. Hmm. <sighs> Interesting. That yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine Batman fandom being what worse than X-Men fandom that, now that I like break down and think about it. Well, the thing about it is what I kind of have a weird thing with is with Batman fandom, I'm not sure if there are any Batman fans in Batman fandom. People seem to be really <laughs> big fans of everybody around Batman and then just kind of shit talk and pile on Batman himself. And, and so I just don't go there because I like Batman. I, I love all the supporting characters too, but I really like Batman. I just... So Batman Twitter is a bunch of like Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown and Jason Todd and Professor Pig stands. Is that what I'm to take away from this? Pretty much. Yes. I, I recently saw a something on X Twitter where people were having a, a, a nice discourse and I commented on, you know, 
I, I on Twitter about how much I love you know going to X Twitter because and this is why I don't go to Bat Twitter and a someone who I really like who I guess had just shortly before made a snarky comment about another Batman character is like okay I fixed it I'm like fixed what it's like oh it became this whole thing where the two of us were going back and forth it was like I, I didn't. You know, no, I wasn't calling you out. I was commenting on X, something I saw on X Twitter, really liking it. Oops, sorry. I did, I, believe me, I, I don't do passive aggressive. I'm from New Jersey. If I was coming at you, I would have added you in that. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, no. Bat Twitter is a lot of people who like not necessarily ancillary, but non Batman characters, and want everyone to know why their character is the best. And yeah, it's 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 like I just I mean quietly avoid it. I mean that's the way. I mean that's the way a lot of people are with X Twitter. Uh, you know, everybody's got their, and I think it's when you when you start tying in your obviously when you start tying in your identity with a character, like, and then it becomes whatever happens to that character is like somehow also happening to you. Like that's that's the bad spot, and I think that don't get me wrong i know they're out there i think that because it's not wholly fictional like there is a man like john moxley is a man like he's a real man like and that kind of like like for a while i was like uh, how do i feel i don't know how i feel about this as far as like a fan like fandom goes because i've never been a celebrity person and i never don't think i ever will be but like the fact that he was like, oh, this is a real human man and he's got a life. <laughs> like, how do I feel about, like, thinking anything, like, normally fandomy about this? And then I'm like, well, you know, yeah, he's a dude, but, like, he also plays a character on TV like anybody else who plays a character on TV for a show. So, like, what that character is and what the man is are two different things. And I keep that, like, I keep that in balance. But it's... I think because this is it is like a person, a tangible person, like you can't readily graph your own identity onto it the same way you could any other fictional character. Um, so it's I don't see a lot of people being reactionary because bad things are happening to the character that they've somehow replaced with themselves. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that I think that has that going for it. Um, it's it's an interesting thing because you never thought fake fights would be like a place where like queer fans would thrive, but I really do think that like with AEW being around now and like like they've made it their mission to be like, hey, AEW is for everyone. Like, you know, instead of this WWE culture of. We like who we like, and that's who we like. And if you don't like it, too bad. Um, you know, Vince has his guys that he likes, like the way to look, and like you got to be a big guy to be successful. And the WWE doesn't want you to be successful outside of the WWE. So, like, if you if you become successful in your own right in wrestling, like you probably won't be pushed anymore. It's there's all these like weird arbitrary rules, archaic rules happening in the wwe so you see people like spilling out of wwe and going other places and they're being given their freedom to do what they want to do like so matt hardy right like he's got this weird ass thing going on in aew that would have never happened in wwe 
like they wouldn't let him do it which is like part of why he left and like you see him getting to like flourish there and then on the other opposite end of it you see like his brother jeff who unfortunately has some substance abuse problems mm-hmm. um and is trying to get back on the right foot but because he was out for so long like trying to recover from those his contract got extended where matt's obviously didn't so their contracts would have been up at the same time but matt is now matt's now, matt is in aw and jeff is still stuck in the wwe and they are doing a storyline that is like exploiting his like recovery basically and you just see it like from like two brothers like like I, the the Friday that that whole thing started, Matt was like he tweeted he's like let me re- I want to reiterate this I'm very happy to be working for Tony Khan and AEW on Wednesday nights, <laughs> and it was it was obviously just because like I'm I'm watching this happen, like why is this happening to my brother you know what I mean like he's trying to get back on the right foot and they're like. WWE exploits real real life things. It's what they do. It's kind of like the weird tightrope that wrestling walks, where it's like, hey, this is real, but like also fictional. Like that's why people like it so much sometimes. But I think like even if you're trying to give him a win, so even if the story really is at the end of the day to be like, yeah, Jeff persevered over all this stuff, and people were trying to like dig up his like substance abuse problems, but he persevered, like it still leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Like, and they do this all the time. And sometimes, you know, there is a saying, like, you will find something that will make you, like, something will make you leave wrestling, but you will come back. (laughs) Like, you will get roped back in. And then if you get roped back in and you stay, you're probably going to be staying forever. So, you know, a lot of people left watching wrestling right after the big boom period. So, like, probably when you stopped watching dan that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah um and a people, made a lot of people will stop watching wrestling. watching wrestling oh he's still doing that um don't don't let it don't let him fool you um so people left and some people never came back and some people did um depending on like when you hopped back in because from like 2004 probably to like 2010 wrestling was pretty bad Hmm. <laughs> like it was just pretty it was pretty bad um but then cm punk came along and um did some really cool stuff and got a lot of people watching wrestling again um and then the wwe treated him badly so he walked out the door <laughs> and wrote some marvel comics for some for, for a while that's right he wrote the drax comics drax. and did a, mm-hmm. a thor annual too yep i never read those were they good uh I haven't read them either. I just remember because my brother specifically asked me to get him that Thor annual, and I did, but I, I never got around to reading okay. it before I gave it to him. But He wrote some comic. He wrote some Marvel comics after he left WWE. Um, he, he tried to be an MMA fighter for a while. Um, that didn't go so well. <laughs> and, um, and now he is um, like a... He, he's not signed with the wwe now but he's like a he's like a fox so fox bought or like smackdown on friday nights is on fox now Hmm. so they did some sort of deal and that deal also included a show called wwe backstage which is like you know how like right before you watch a football game or after you watch a football game they have like the hour-long show afterward that talks about it 
Sure. So, so, the like Talking Dead. <laughs> well, no, it's it's like CM Punk is like Terry Bradshaw. Oh, yes, yes, got yes. it. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what what CM Punk is right now. <laughs> so there's this whole thing about him coming back and like whether he would get back in the ring again or what. He's, but he's like he's employed by Fox. He's not employed by the WWE, which is the only reason he came back. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so that's it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, wrestling's this weird thing, guys. So <laughs> thank you for uh, thank you for for watching. I will ask you. Uh, I'll go. I'll start with you, Matt. What was your favorite part of the the whole match? Ooh, that I, I I gotta go with the pool. I mean that that was <laughs> just like the, the 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 camera shot underneath and like smiling at the camera. The, the, Matt Hardy, I, I give him props, and also just because I I can't resist making yet one more weird reference. Um, when Kenny Omega was fighting. A, a couple of members of the inner circle and they threw salt in his eyes. Yeah. Yes. Like, it reminded me of this old kids in the hall sketch where there's a whole thing about never put salt in your eyes. I was just like, <laughs> that's the weird. Okay. I'll go. I'll go with that. And one, and you know, you said one, my favorite part, but I also have to just randomly before Dan gets to say his part. I just kind of wonder God, their table budget must be gigantic. <laughs> you gotta get those. You gotta get those gimmick tables. You know, somebody makes those. There's a company that makes them. I don't know what they're called, but I do know that they make those in the and in, in the ladders that they use. I mean, except for the time they used this really scary blue ladder that looked like a very real ladder and did not break when somebody was thrown on onto it. And I said, please don't use that ladder ever again. It scares me. <laughs> Dan, how about you? Uh, the same company also makes every sugar pane glass you've seen someone get thrown through. But um, <laughs> I, pool. Yeah. Matt Hardy in the pool, changing outfits and also apparently personalities. That was <laughs> that was some shit that I didn't think I could see in wrestling. So that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that that was like one of your highlights because of some wrestling people that I that have like I listen to a lot and have like really good opinions they're like I didn't really like that part and I was like uh, okay <laughs> I mean maybe that's just that the the comic nerds in us just immediately felt something with that when it's like wow there is something really friggin weird going on here and I dig that's it true. That's true, because Broken Matt Hardy is very weird, and I feel like people maybe didn't like it because there was this, like, thing you kind of had to understand about what was going on to, like, really get it. But, like, you guys watched it, and you were like, I don't know, this is just really weird, I'm, I'm entertained. And some people were like, no, it was just too weird, and I wasn't entertained, but interesting that's it's it's an interesting, like, decisive de- divisiveness that's, that's kind of cropped up, but... Apparently, the Stadium Stampede match is going to be a signature match of theirs. Um, so I I do hope to see another one at some point in time. I don't want it to be an every every time we do need to do something. But I do want it to be like maybe once a year, maybe once every two years. I would like John Moxley to be in the next Stadium Stampede match for completely selfish reasons. Um, the man does have impeccable comedic timing, although you'd have to go to his 
uh, WWE work to really see that. Um, I'm very much ready for it. Um, but thank you all for for doing this with me. I'm glad that you enjoyed yourself. Um, and next time something weird happens in wrestling, I'll let you know. Thumbs <laughs> <laughs> up. Yeah, keep us updated. <laughs> I'll keep you. I'll keep you updated. Um, Matt Hardy has got a entire YouTube channel called Free the Delete, in which you can watch um, vignettes about his uh, the whole broken universe. So if you are interested in that little slice of thing happening, you can watch Broken Matt Hardy's uh, compound antics um, and his sentient drone. Uh, not Neo. Neo Neo is the new sentient drone. Uh, Chris Jericho in the inner circle killed Vanguard one before the stadium stampede match. So they broke his old, they killed his old, old sentient drone. Just so you know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> Silence. Yeah, it's, it's that moment of like nodding with a, a somewhat perplexed look. There isn't a sound for that, but, but that's what you're getting right there. I, I, I needed the audience to hear that silence. <laughs> yeah. Dan, again, I don't know how many other people. It's skeets. It, it, he's got his own skeets. Yeah, I guess so. How about yeah. that? Hanging out with, you know, a little flying robot. It's, it's funny because it's another testament to Chris Jericho. He cut a promo on Vanguard one, like in the ring when uh it's a, it's a really a testament that he could cut a promo to a drone and it still be like the most entertaining thing i've ever seen i'm like i i can't this is like a part of me is like this is so ludicrous i can't uh even process it which makes it like even better um that's this is wrestling as they say um but thank you again um would you gentlemen be so kind to let us know where uh, or let people know where they can find you if they so desire to do so. Sure thing. Um, yeah, so we uh, turn out a ton of uh, comic stuff over at WMQComics.com. Uh, and if you prefer the audio medium, uh, Matt and I host a uh, weekly podcast uh, called WMQ&A. Uh, we uh, briefly... During the during the pandemic, we were calling it WMQ Presents because we just changed format entirely because, you know, it was kind of hard for two months there to ask creators. So you have a book coming out because no one did. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, we do that uh, every Tuesday and, and you can check out all our stuff at uh, WMQComics.com. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, no, WMQ is great. Uh, Dan's afforded me some opportunities to write for the site, and I've been on the podcast a couple of times, so go and check everything out because it's great, whether or not you like comics. Um, I mean, if you like comics, please go. If you don't, maybe there won't be anything there for you, um, but it's always a good time to get into reading comics. And we, I mean, we love comics, and we, more often than not, are writing about comics we love. And so if you're looking for something somewhere to look for something to start reading, if you have been curious, it's a, it's a good place to go. Yes, 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 yes. Um, a lot of people being passionate about the things that they love, which is ideally what you want to look for in anything that you do. 
Um, other than that, you can find this podcast on Twitter at Match Club Pod. Um, we'll have another episode out, um, the one that was previously scheduled to be out, um, hopefully very shortly once we dig into that. Um, you can find the podcast on our website, which is Superkick dot party um the young bucks cannot have that url unless they pay us a large sum of funds um so we'll be giving that one up um you can find me personally at genetic ghost on twitter i'm taking a bit of a break um because life is very crazy right now and so is the twitter machine um, you can find my partner at quantum dot dot on twitter um that would be mikey my co-host and if you like the episode please please, please write and review on iTunes or any other place you get your podcasts from. Um, iTunes, I think, is the easiest way to um, rate and review something. It helps out quite a bit. Um, algorithms, as we have told you, are bad, but they do make the world go round sometimes. And if you cannot leave a review, just tell a friend. If you like wrestling, you'll probably like our podcast. Um, we get silly um sometimes very serious subjects um but other than that um there's no outro to the show because i'm lazy and can't think of one um so until next time very much oh, yeah.